Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and today I sit down with Dr. Paul Sewage as we discuss this week's message in our series entitled Great Stories. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Today in the armchair, the Reverend Dr. Paul Sewich. How's it going, Paul? It's going well. Uh, been a, uh, it's been, it's been a, a minute since you and I were in here, um, just the two of us. I, I, normally, your it's, minutes and my minutes go at different rates. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, but we we were in um, new series or. It's not really a new series. I had a I had a hard time even when I was framing it in in the in the congregation. Uh-huh. Like it's not a new series because we did this series last year. Yeah, it's more of a annual revisit. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it's it's a kind of a mini series too, uh-huh. right? Right. So yeah, we're in the gr- yeah in the great stories series. Uh, great stories part two is how I have it in my notes, right? And uh, this week we we discussed David and Goliath, but I want to kick off today talking about our experience preaching through different types of passages of scripture because this was a very narrative heavy. Yes. Very narrative heavy. We just came off of a series in Proverbs, which is not narrative heavy at all. Right. Right. And so I wonder what is your, you know, your take on um, preaching different types of passages or even teachings? I know you you do a lot more weekly teaching than preaching. So are there types of passages of scripture that you tend to resonate with a little bit more than others, narrative, poetry, you know, straight didactic sort of teaching passages? Yeah, so in my afternoon group, we are studying the life of King David. And a couple of months ago, we we talked through the story about uh, David and Goliath. And when, when approaching a slice of life story like Jesus and the Gospels and this is what happened I love diving in actually you know who I think was did the superlative best Leah Higginbotham preached on Peter uh, meeting Jesus and she enacted it. She became Peter. Oh, yeah, that's right. Peter. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was yeah. just exquisite. She did yeah. such a good job. And those sermons, I don't think, they don't need a story before the story yeah. um, to get you. The, the story is going to draw people in itself. Yeah. And, uh, and the Proverbs, the Proverbs, or if you're, if you're teaching on uh, Deuteronomy, those are very, very, very different passages. Yeah. Right. And so then I, I like teaching from them because then they, they really need to culminate in in a story of my own vulnerability or they're just – I think they, they kind of lay there as platitudes. I don't think people really – uh, remember them or enjoy them. Yeah. Right. So if if they become personally real, I think that gives uh, the, the the members of our congregation the opportunity to to place them to join me to come sit in the middle of this passage yeah. and be vulnerable, be real, 
and and meet God. So yeah. those they're very very different passages, uh, and they call for different things. Yeah, I. It's funny because having you know preached in the Proverbs several times in that series, and, mm-hmm. and uh, there are a lot of challenges preaching in, in, a, in a book like Proverbs, for example, yeah. or a book like Ecclesiastes, because, you know, you're, you're picking a, a, a particular pericope, uh, pericope and um, sometimes, especially in Proverbs, you're having to draw through lines that are more, more or less obvious, right? The Psalms are a little different because the Psalms, for the most part, are united wholes, and I love the Psalms because at least at least seven times out of ten, and I think the number probably would be higher, if you put your finger on the first word and the last word and you start counting one word at a time. Yeah, you'll get to you, the center. You get to the center word, yeah. and that center word, or if it's an even number of words, that pair of words, yeah. that is the main yeah. topic yeah. of the psalm. There if is, you're reading it like you do in Hebrew, in Hebrew, not in, in English all the time. In it English, it, yeah, it doesn't. You don't see it as clearly, but you can tell. Still find there's it. There's yeah. nothing casual or flippant about the psalms. There's yeah. so much time yeah. and attention has been poured into them. Um, so yes, David wrote, or David may well have. It's traditionally believed that he wrote. A lot of these things, but the editing process and the compiling process, uh, a lot of attention to detail has been given to make them cohesive things. Yeah. So I, I love working with the songs. Yeah. Not always the case in like the Proverbs, though. Not always no, the case. No, and yeah. yeah, and that a friend of mine and I taught from the book of Proverbs years ago, and we, we simply divvied it up into themes yeah. and then wove those themes you know, through our study. Yeah, and I think... Uh, and that's how I've, I've seen a lot of, of even commentaries uh-huh. talk, you know, especially if they're more brief commentaries, you know, like commentaries of the whole Bible in one volume or something like that, or commentaries right, on right. the whole New Old Testament. They'll do it thematically. They're not going through like they would other passages, chapter, you know, the chapter by chapter by chapter, right? right? right. Um, it was interesting, though, because it was there, it, when, I, when I'm preaching in, in something like that, there is a stretching quality that goes along because you, you, have, to, sure. you have to sit with those for a lot longer. Whereas you're reading a, a narrative like like David and Goliath, which both of us mentioned in our messages this week's fairly well known. And I, I would go so far as to say outside the biblical community, outside mm-hmm. of the Christian right. or Jewish community, what, what, I, I would say David and Goliath is maybe the most well known story because it's used Yeah, Noah and the Flood, yeah. David and Goliath. There's a couple there's like three or four that people have some familiarity but with. I think even like David and Goliath because it's used and I I, I made this yeah, point it's right. used as a as a sports metaphor all right. the and, time and the people of Florence adopted and it you as said that, kind I love of that yeah. national theme yeah but the, the, the interesting part there with narratives and and I want I will dig this into your specific message this week but I think the cool thing about the narrative passages were is there's a lot more room to uh, bring in and invite the congregation into the imagination of the mo- of the narrative, yeah. and you did that this week. And I want to I, I want to hold on for a second, but I, I do want to get into what you did, which is which I think is really key with that. Whereas if you're reading like 
when we did like preached in Philippians, you know, Philippians, there is a story there, right? But it's a backstory to the letter. Right. And so you're having to unpack and, and some of it's conjecture, some of it's based on good scholarship, some of it's based on not great scholarship, but you're, <laughs> sure. you're, you're having to create the story or you're, you're having to tell a story that's not present in the passage in order that the teaching portion of it doesn't come across as works righteousness or pharisaical. <laughs> in any way because there's a lot more gospel backstory there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes me think of C.S. Lewis's letters to Malcolm. Yeah. So you're reading these letters and so your imagination quickly goes to what must have been said that that this is the answer. This letter is an answer to something. Yeah. What was that question? Yeah. Which is why he wrote his book on prayer in that way because uh-huh. he's leaving imagination to the reader you know he, he's r- right. writing it epistolary epistolarily uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. in order that you have to fill in the gaps uh-huh. which is a lot like you know the book of romans or really like the like a letter like the first and second corinthians where you're reading passages you're like whoa whoa, whoa. Yeah. what was the backstory to this where he's he's telling them about about uh, or warning them against lawsuits against one another you know there's something there's a story there right right, right. Yeah. and and in our story why where they 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 purposefully leave things that make you wonder like why okay so david rejects the armor of Saul because it doesn't it weighs a ton it's made of bronze it doesn't yeah. fit him right so he makes the the wise choice to to go without it and then the first thing he does is to go select five five stones smooth yeah. stones yeah. yeah one was all it took dropped him dead why didn't he go and look for the one best stone yeah why did he take five yeah. and so there there's possible answers uh, one of the members of our congregation came up to me afterwards and said, I think it's because Goliath has four brothers, which shows up later in the story. Yeah, You don't know it. As a reader, we're naive to that at this point in the story, yeah. but later. And, and that's the way that the Old Testament is written. Yeah. They introduce a topic. And you have to wait sixteen chapters to find out to find out some you know, detail. Why, why, why yeah? Why was the stone orange? Yeah, you know? yeah. So that brings us to this week's message in, in David and Goliath. And I, I wonder what um, as you you know as you're thinking through what you want to unpack in this story. What are the challenges that you are anticipating as you're not 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 studying it, but mm-hmm. getting ready to communicate it to the congregation? Are there things that you're anticipating? You know, because you try to get into the mind of your audience a little bit. What is it that you are anticipating as being a major challenge in preaching this this passage from First Samuel 17? Well, I really think it is. It's the Florence. It's the football thing that you were talking about that is used over and over on ESPN, and so that that's as far as we go with yeah. it. Yeah, right there. Um, I I I I'm chewed for a good while on the Alanis Morissette. <laughs> ironic, isn't it ironic? Because I think I think it, she's using the word accurately because she had the, the, what. What underlies the song is this sense of, I want there to be a good, delivering God. Yeah. But you know what? Here is what I find is that, you know, uh, we we have this plaque at home that says, uh, one day, as I sat in the dark musing, a voice came to me and said, 
cheer up. Things could be worse. So I cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. <laughs> right? And so it's the irony that you finally you finally entrusted yourself. You said, you know what? Like the, the guy with the in, in the verse, you know, he he's never flown in all his yeah. life. And so he finally books a a flight and that's the flight that goes down. Yeah. The one in you're, the safest moments of your life are, yeah. li- are, are the moments that you're on an airplane. Yeah. No more attention is given to safety than those, those you know, like a 60 few hours, minutes yeah. or two hours. Yeah. And yet people get on the airplane and they hyperventilate and they just know they're going to a certain death and they work themselves into a fear crisis. And it's all over this issue of, of trust. Yeah. And, and is there a... Is there a good God yeah. watching over us? Yeah, and I think the 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 that's really where the story of David and Goliath gets so tangled, right? And, and one one <laughs> yeah. of the things that I I I, I find interesting, and, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, th- even the images that are used to portray David in Florence, as an example, really display or or. Or portray the the mentality or the vast array of mentalities of how we think of David in that moment. You, you mm-hmm. talked about the images of David in Florence. David adopted kind of as as the swan is adopted in Lakeland as the sure. symbol yeah, of the city. Yeah. It's kind of the mascot. Mm-hmm. But even there, there's a wide array of images of David. You've got the 16 foot tall. Uh, most famous image of Michelangelo. That's one of contemplation. Yeah. He's not in the act of the slaying. He's contemplating. Bernini's, he is in the act of releasing the slaying. Yeah. Much more active. Much more. There's this motion. It's it's a a freeze frame. He took a picture at one six hundredth of a second. It would otherwise have been a blur, but here we get to look at that face that set uh, the one on the the doors of paradise. There's a uh, the, you know the, the in those systems you couldn't enter a church until after you'd been baptized. Yeah. So if you're interested in converting, you went to the doors of paradise mm. and you entered the baptistry. Mm-hmm. That's what allowed you to go into church. Yeah. So on, there's this frame of David standing on top. Of the fallen Goliath, yeah, uh, and then Caravaggio's actually he's holding where it. he's holding the severed head. Yeah. Bru- I mean, if if you stop to contemplate this for just a moment, it is a grisly, yeah, not rated for children's story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, none of them are really. I mean, the, yeah. one, the, the cherub cheek little versions that we have right. of all and these that's, stories. And but, that's yeah. the, the, to me is the short. We were talking about what's the the chief thing is that Veggie Tales makes it. Very accessible to children. Yeah, I'm glad for that. But we, it ne- we never go beyond. But that, if we yeah. don't go beyond yeah. that, we're in trouble. Yeah, I want to talk about the Caravaggio for a second because yeah. it, it does it does uh, bear into something that you did in your message, which I alluded to earlier, and something that narrative passages of scripture give us the opportunity to do, which is to place the the, the audience, the congregation, in the story. And you asked the question to the congregation, where are you in the story? And you mm-hmm. went through not just the, the main characters, you know, obviously the but David and Goliath and Saul, but you, you also, and I, I loved how you even pulled out the brothers in that way, because mm-hmm. they're, 
one of the things I was thinking about as I was listening to your messages is, you know, we we are the centerpieces of our own stories, right? We we are the David or the Goliath or the but but very but so often in in the grand scheme we seem we feel like sideline people, right? And and Saul, David's brothers are sideline people, but they're still very active and still very much a part of that story. And I if love you ask why are they there? Yeah, why are they there? Yeah, they're not. Is it just to um, say this is what contributes? Are they just egging David on? Yeah. Or is is God trying to say to us this? He here. Why? Oh golly! There's just a gazillion so questions much, well, yeah. that pour out all at once. Why doesn't Saul? March out there and yeah. say, "You called us out. Here we are. I am here. Yeah. You know, I'm a cubit taller than anybody." Which is, know, what, which is what I was trying to bring out yeah, in, in the passages that exactly. there's this the expectation of the Israelites is that's why we picked Saul so exactly. that when Goliath comes, he's our yeah. Goliath, right? Yeah. You so know. Goliath is like this echo of the Nephilim, yeah, and and so is Saul, yeah. Right, and that's as far why as they're they concerned, him. yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. why they pick him, and he yeah. doesn't go out. David's brothers, um, they feel some sense of this tug because obviously they're they're in battle. I mean, they're in the army of Israel, right? And when David asks, "Why aren't? Why didn't you? Are are you not going out?" They spin on him. And yeah, say, you just come here to watch someone die. Go home. Yeah. And that's if we don't, since we we're really involved in the writing of our stories. If we edit these things out, yeah, we forget. Yeah, then our stories are pretty naive. If yeah. we don't see how we are like Goliath, how we are used to doing what we do, and we we don't think that anybody is really going to be able to overthrow that. Yeah. Like I, you know, here I'm. I'm 64, and leading uh, a, a ministry in a time of great change, and and people saying, "Oh yeah, you know, in in a matter of years, uh, individual sit down in the room with a psychotherapist is going to be a dinosaur," hmm. and that here's where the field is going, like gulp. Up until the pandemic, I was radically unwilling to embrace psychotherapy using technology. The technology. Yeah. It's like, nope. Virtual psychotherapy. Stuff, yeah. There is no virtual. You either sit down, you have presence, or you don't. Yeah. Go, well, then. I pandemic just, said, yeah, well, you got it. <laughs> pandemic said, yeah, hey, watch this. Yeah. And I never, ever, 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 ever would have said, Oh, well, here's what we'll do. We will tell people to create a sacred space and in their home and bring bread and the fruit of the vine mm. to this sacred space. <laughs> and then we'll all bless it together. So all these elements blessed in time and space, different, different physical spaces, different physical times, but we're all going to bless it together. Yeah. Then, oh, yeah, okay. never would have done that. Then, yeah. then you just have people go for a year without access to that sacrament. Yeah. Gulp. Yeah. Or 
we move into this different place. Well, and that's why the confrontation of who we are in this David and Goliath story is so valuable. And, and one of the things you and I were talking about yesterday when you were talking about the images of David and, 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 and the battle with Goliath in Florence is this Carvaggio one where who is the severed head? Who is the face of the yeah. severed head? But me. But Carvaggio, right? Yeah. It is his own image. He He's putting himself on the line of opposing uh he, he he is it's it's almost i looked at that when after you and i talked yesterday uh, i was thinking what an act of what what an ultimate act of repentance to and say humility. and humility yeah. to say no how many times am i on the other side of the valley of elah not on god's side at all and i love one of the things you did and I, I i was next time i preach david and goliath i'm definitely stealing this <laughs> okay uh is that you brought out the whole peter uh, story with Jesus and, yeah. and how often right. he's on the side of Jesus, but then in the, I mean, Matthew says, it's one of my favorite chapters in Matthew um, in the Gospels is the pendulum swing of Peter in faithfulness in Matthew 16 from proclaiming Jesus as yeah, the Christ. It spins in that one instant. Yeah, to being in opposition. And, and that really, I thought that was such a great communication tool to say, look, Yes, we might be on on the side of of Christ in one moment, but this is why it is a important to stay diligent and stay. And and then and then you went and you said, well, David was in the same boat. There are times where he's very faithful, but it doesn't all it doesn't end it doesn't mm-hmm. end super well for David. You know, uh, it, it ends better than it does for Saul, but <laughs> because David was able. To repent, to he repent. Went that for was the this difference. period of yeah. time, which later he describes as his bones aching, and it was a terrible space. But in the moment, all you saw was that growing hardness of heart that he could rationalize adultery. He could rationalize having a Uriah's this incredibly faithful, dedicated yeah. man. And he gets slain because he's and David because was he's hardened faithful. to that. Yeah, and yeah. David was hardened to that. Yeah, and Saul couldn't repent, and yeah. so that's why neither of us really drew that out. No, no, no. Here yeah. are these three instances yeah. where Samuel gives Saul a command from the Lord, and he he either simply simply doesn't do it, mm-hmm. or he alters it in some way to fit his own ways, culminating with Samuel telling Saul, the Lord has removed this calling from you. Yeah. You don't have the spirit of God anymore. Yeah. And that's that's where we meet him, fresh from that. Yeah. And from from David's this story comes right after David's anointing. secret anointing ceremony, yeah. which the brothers know about and yet they treat him with they clearly they don't believe it yeah. they they haven't taken ownership of yeah, it yeah 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 and it reminded me uh, as we're talking about the brothers how similar that is to you know even Jesus own ministry and his 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 and family Jesus brothers yeah they they yeah. they kind of mock him and make fun of him and then yeah. swing around and they become some of the most faithful yeah, James the de- book of James devotees yeah. of of Christ in the church, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it, but it's it's that it's that that movement that is this of which the centerpiece is repentance. It's that that Carvaggio. Yes. I, I I have to recognize me and Goliath, right, and yeah. and recognize me 
in opposition to the Lord. Otherwise, I'm never going to stand in humility before the Lord, which is which is necessary for repentance. And, right. and, and you see that in Daniel chapter nine, yeah, where Daniel Daniel gets this vision of what what the people of God are about to be subjected to. He can see he's been given a vision of the suffering they're going to endure, and it drives him immediately to ownership. He doesn't say, "You guys are a royal mess, and you're not going to you're not going to survive unless you do X, Y, and Z." Yeah. He he takes full ownership and says, "Lord, this is this is who we are. This is what we're dealing with. This is our failure. Yeah. And here's our desperate need of you." Yeah. Well, and that's where the whole in in the David and Goliath story too. You know, the, the this the recognition. See, and I and I think. You know, one of the things and one of the points I was I was trying to make in my message is we get this wrong so often is that David is the underdog in the story, and that David is is outmatched yeah. and outgunned and out. And, yeah, and, you, you did that brilliantly. That the the in actuality, David. Yeah, he's not the, the underdog. Under- is Goliath? Yeah, by by because he's a coming fair in. Amount. He's coming in smug. He's coming in arrogant. He's coming in. Yes, he he actually has some of the latest technology. He has an iron, all that bronze. Yeah. This is that transition from yeah. the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. And he has an iron spearhead yeah. that can penetrate bronze armor. He thinks he is He's got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And he is as wrong as he can be and and he is just moments before falling to the ground. So yeah. he is in actuality the underdog. The underdog because David so firmly believes that God is there with him. Well, and 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 I think the other thing too, and as as we're we're talking here, I didn't mention this, but it is is it interesting? Is David is accused by his brothers of having a sense of arrogance and a sense of 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 pride, and he's like, no, 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 I'm not. In fact, quite the opposite. Yeah. I, I'm coming in this. In humility, but with a fair amount of faith and knowledge that that God is for not just me, because what does he say? It's the God of the armies of Israel. So he's saying, look, God is on our side. It's just that nobody on our side is willing to believe this except for me and, and put that to the test. In yeah. my afternoon study group, this here, here's our perpetual theme is why did God do this in secret? And why is there a approximately 30 year lag time between the anointing and becoming the officially recognized king of mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. there's a very long time with a lot of suffering a lot of conflict yeah where nobody he's the only one that has a line of sight to it because mm-hmm. Samuel dies pretty early on uh, and so he's really, if, if not for God, he's alone. Yeah. And what is what is God doing there? Why? Because that we resonate with that question. Because then we get into life's really deep waters, and you feel incredibly alone. And this this is where God does His best work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's, again, there's so much that we could, that you could say in this story. That there's sure. so, and there's still, the, one of the things I always encourage people is, I, I, I think, um, you know, the historical books in the Old Testament are so rich and they're so dense. You know, it's like you're talking about the five stones. You know, why the five stones mm-hmm. and not just the one? You know, yeah. why, why, you know, some of the what things. What are the brothers doing? Yeah. Here? What are the brothers doing there? You know, what yeah. is, what is, you know, Saul, Saul goes from kind of reticent to put David on the front line to pretty quickly like, yeah, okay, if you want to Throws do this. Go. Yeah, why does he throw David out there? Yeah, of all the people. Of all the people and, you could throw out there. And he could why not throw David's oldest brother, the tall yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. And and I, I to some extent, I think, you know, what you're talking about with that lag time of 30 years, I think it's, you know, what is it that the people have been, have, have asked for and received in Saul? They asked for a king. Yeah, that's... They asked for a king like all the other nations. They wanted someone that mm-hmm. was physically impressive and imposing, and that's what they got. And so God spends... 30 years from the time of David's anointing to the time of David's ultimate, you know, crowning and ascension, basically proving to them, this is the king that you wanted. And, and we here's will... what it actually bears you. Yeah. And this is the, this is the kind of king I would choose. This is the king that I would choose, a, a man who's ultimately going to be called uh, one after my own heart. Um, not perfect. Definitely not perfect, way, but way far from perfect. But there is that contrast, like you mentioned too, the 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 being called out on his sin, in you know, in David's case, and leading to repentance, versus Saul yeah. being called out for his sin and leading to more, uh, almost a dig, dig yeah. dug in attitude of, of yeah, absolutely of, of posture up until the day of his death. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that how long it takes for us to learn a lesson of 30 years, right? For an entire nation to learn that lesson in 30 yeah. years and then um, and then elevate elevate David and, and accept right. accept the, the kingship of so it really really calls for us to have grace with developing with disciples that are learning that are growing in Christ. You, you can't naively introduce a theme and expect it to be fully developed next week just because you named it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which you you have to experience this a, a lot in in, in the counseling right. ministry. First, I experience it in yourself, in but, but then as as you're counseling exactly. others, you, there's a a long view of people's uh, yes. spiritual development and yeah. emotional healing, and and uh, and it's not a straight line either you nope. know i think we we, we always want it to be a straight line but the 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 uh the entire history of the israelites proves it's not a straight line <laughs> except for no. jesus christ well even his path is is somewhat circuitous you know that he's mary receives this thing that's like an anointing she receives the visitation yeah but only she receives this visitation. Yeah. And she ponders all these things in her heart. And it's clear that she transferred them to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, because when he's 12 years old, he decides that the temple is, in point of fact, his father's house. Yeah. And so, like, why, why weren't you looking for me when I was at home? Yeah. I was at home. And then he still doesn't show up for another. 18 years. Yeah. Wow. And he learns learns a great deal as a 
a tradesman, mm-hmm. all the parables, think of all the parables, they all relate to these trades, all the things that he learned yeah. in those 18 years of service. Yeah, not afraid to apply them. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put to good use. Well, this is what makes the, the, the overall Bible, and, and I think one of the things that we both tried to do, and I think we always try to do yeah. this in, in, the, in, the, in the messages, um, is tie Old Testament and New Testament together because we see the continuity of what God – we try to show the people what God has been doing throughout generations, but he is not – God is never in a hurry <laughs> – Right, he's 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 he he takes the time that he needs to take to develop the people into the the to develop them the way that they need to be developed over the course of time. And what mm-hmm. does that communicate to us about God's development in us? And we want we want it quick, we want it fast, we want we want it uh, continuous improvement over the course of our yeah. lives with no naming the idol is not the same thing as learning to rely on life without it. That's right. No. Mm-hmm. So today we can say here's a series of items <clears throat> that are illuminated in this story. Now let's dig in and, and in the next five minutes when one of those idols um, comes to your mind, you're like, boy, you know, I sure wish that I had a God who protected me from this. Yeah. Now, what is it like to go into that situation, that scary place Yeah. with just Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, just just the stone of Jesus, right? Just the one exactly. stone. Well, Paul, it's always a pleasure uh, sitting down and talking with you. Yes, You've got indeed. a deep yes, knowledge of, of of the Bible, and we're we're blessed by it. And I encourage anyone who missed this week's messages to head over to our website fpclakeland.org and but check you out. You have to watch them both. You have to watch them both. You you, if you have, if you were, if you were in person, <laughs> if you were in person in classic, watch the Vine. If you were in person in Vine, watch the go. classic. There you go. Uh, de- definitely helps. Uh, go to the worship page in the sermon archive tab again to watch the whole service uh, there you can see the entire service and uh, if you've missed any one of our episodes of armchair preaching make sure you subscribe uh, at your favorite podcasting platform Apple Podcasts, Google Play Stitcher SoundCloud uh, subscribe so that you can be notified when a new episode drops you can also uh, leave a review you can like it you can also share it with your friends through there it helps other people discover armchair preaching and uh, the sermons from fpclakeland.org We do our best, uh, imperfect as we are, to present the gospel um, in a way that's faithful to the text and faithful to what Christ would uh, would have us do. But um, it is a it's a team effort, so we we're glad. Thank you, thank you, Paul, for hanging out for a little while. Absolutely, and uh, we will see everybody next time.